0: the podcast for We Hope Glasgow. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to this message for Sunday. May it be a blessing to you today. All right, good morning church. This morning we finally get, after all this time, we finally come to the end of the book of John, kind of, sort of come to the end of the book of John. Today, we're going to uh, come to the end of the, the main flow of the book of John, which ends in chapter 20. Um, there's an epilogue, though, and we're going to cover John chapter 21 over the next two weeks. But, but this week, we're coming to basically the end of the book of John. Uh, and what a special season of celebrating uh, Jesus, uh, thinking about his life, his message, his power, his victory over Satan's sin and death. Uh, Last week, I actually covered all of chapter 20, which was basically about four different moments where people come to believe that although Jesus was really, really dead... That God raised him from the dead. And we saw that with John, who didn't have to see Jesus to believe. He saw the evidence, and then he believed. We saw that with um, Mary. Mary who, Mary Magdalene, who, who sees Jesus and, and interacts with Jesus and comes to believe that Jesus is alive. We see it where Jesus meets with 10 of his disciples, shows them the evidence that he is truly alive and they come to believe that he's alive. And then following that with Thomas. And where Thomas was doubting, but eight days later, he sees, uh, he believes that, that, that Jesus is alive. And all these, all these uh, episodes were, were to establish <coughs> these witnesses, these, this testimony, of how people came to believe and know that, that Jesus, although he was dead, he truly was alive. And so that, based on their testimony and the facts that we can see today, that we can come to believe in Jesus and by believing, have life in his name, which is the, the last verse of chapter 20, really at the end of the, the main part of the book of John, that we would believe and, and have life in Jesus' name. <clears throat> so we talked about that. But the book of John doesn't merely end with this idea of believe in Jesus and be saved. It ends with people believing in Jesus and being sent, believing in Jesus and being sent with the message of Jesus, saved and sent, saved and sent. Every single gospel ends with the message that Jesus is alive, and for those who believe, they are sent with the message they're sent with a message, and we're going to look at John in a, in a second, but let's just remind ourselves how all of the Gospels end with this message. Jesus is alive, and now you are sent, and now you're sent with this message. In Matthew 28, maybe one of the most famous ones, uh, we call it the Great Commission. In chapter 28 of the book of Matthew, Jesus declares to his disciples right as he is about to ascend into heaven after being appearing to people for a period of 40 days, he says, go. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, Go, that that great sending word. The, the, the passage, uh, it's called the Great Commission. And, and now that you believe that Jesus is alive and, and, and you've come to believe in him, now go and, and make disciples, baptizing, teaching people to obey. Um, by the way, uh, again, if you've given your life to Jesus and not been baptized, uh, we're going we're gonna to try and uh, sort that this Easter. I want to remind you again that there's going to be an elder by the back door back there. If you've given your life, not been baptized, Easter Sunday, we're going to have baptisms in here, morning service, evening service as part of our great celebration. Uh, don't miss out. That's going to be uh, just meet with an elder right after the service back there and talk about, how we, uh, about you and, and getting baptized here. But anyway, so so Matthew's clear. We've got this great sending commission. When you give your life to Jesus, this mission becomes your mission, to go, make disciples, baptize, teaching people to obey. Mark, that's Matthew. Mark um, also ends with the message that Jesus is alive and that those who believe are sent. Now, I'm not going to get into this because we're not teaching the book of Mark. But in case you haven't noticed, there's several proposed endings to the book of Mark. Uh, and, and the reasons, uh, I don't, I'm not going to get into that, but we can talk about that later. Uh, it's super fun. Anyway, so uh, there, it seems like, though, the, the most definite original ending of the book of Mark was, was the short version, way ending in verse 8, and then there's some other endings a- after that. The original ending seems to go like this, Mark 16, verse 6 through 8. Don't be alarmed, he told them, You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has been resurrected. He's not here. See the place where they put him? But go tell. Tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. So they went out and started running from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them, and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. The end of the book of Mark. I actually, I love that ending. But again, the, the, the basic message is Jesus has been resurrected. He's alive. That's a testimony of the angels to the, to the ladies there. Go and tell. Go and tell. Now, in this ending, they don't because they're afraid. They, they don't tell, they're supposed, to, uh, they're supposed to go and tell, they're commanded to go and tell, but they don't because they're afraid. And when we read that, we're, we're supposed to be appalled and we're supposed to be upset. We're like, you know that Jesus is alive. This, is, this, is, this changes everything. You know if you're not gonna tell people who is. And with that upsetness that we feel, the Holy Spirit says, yeah, exactly, you know that Jesus is alive, raised from the dead. Why are you keeping your mouth shut? This is a huge news, great news. Uh, and if you're not going to tell people, who who is? You need to go and you need to tell, no matter how afraid you might feel or how uncomfortable you might feel. So there's other endings to the, the book of Mark. And you can see like in verse 15, that, that idea of go into all the world and preach the gospel. But the point is, Mark doesn't just end with the phrase, please believe Jesus is alive. But now that you believe, go tell. That's Mark. Uh, Luke also ends with uh, similar messaging here in Luke 24. And Jesus is talking, he says, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I'm sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you're empowered from on high. I want you to hold on to the line in here. Repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name. We're going we're to re- be reminded of that as we look at John in a moment. Uh, it's going to help us later. Now, technically here it says stay. It doesn't say go. It says Stay. Uh, that is until Pentecost, which is just about I don't know maybe about ten days later, when they that's the moment where they get the promised holy of holies temple presence of God permanently in them. But the, the point is here that all this stuff that we've learned about Jesus uh, we, that we've gone through as we've gone through the book of John together for the last year and a half it is for us to believe it is for us to believe in Jesus and have life in His name it is about believing but then also once you believe to not just be saved but also sent not just saved but you're sent now with the message of Jesus okay now let's remember how it went in the book of John we read this briefly last week but once again I'm looking at John chapter 20 and I'm picking up in verse 19 This is what we read. It said, In the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace to you. Peace to you. Peace to you. I don't know. Whatever. Peace. Peace to you. Something like that. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, if at first it, it, it bugs you or irritates you that we've looked at these different Gospels and there seems to be some different contexts, some different, you know, different moments where you're hearing things and maybe not all the words seem exactly the same, uh, it's not supposed to bug you. It's supposed to drive home that this is a message that is being repeated over and over again during the 40 days from the moment Jesus rises from the dead until the moment he ascends into heaven, that they weren't just be- to believe, but they are... They are sent ones now, that they're to be sent. It seems that nearly every conversation from angels or from Jesus himself after Jesus uh, rises from the dead is, first of all, establishing the fact that he is alive, making sure that that is clearly established. In fact, that's where our story started here in, in, in John. Jesus appearing, he says, Peace to them, and then showing them his hands, showing them his side, clearly, clearly, clearly establishing that this Jesus is the same Jesus who was crucified. That it's the same, the same one. Look, these are the marks. I am the same one who was crucified and dead, and now I'm alive, raised from the dead. And then after that, after, in the, in the uh, interactions, after establishing Jesus being alive, he just keeps commissioning them over and over them, sending them, sending them. And it seems that John and Mark, those, those gospels record the commission starting the very day of the resurrection, whether it's from an angel to Mary or, or, or the ladies or from, uh, from Jesus himself to 10 of the disciples. Day one, that resurrection Sunday itself, you're, you're sent ones. G, uh, in John here, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's the first day of the week. That's resurrection Sunday. And then Matthew seems to have the last one, where Jesus is ascending in his up into heaven, and again reiterating the same message, "I'm alive, now I'm ascending you. I'm sending you." So go and tell, go and make disciples." Now I'm going to ask a question, and you probably know the answer to this. Is this commission, this sending? Is it just to these people? like just to these 10 people here, or does it also apply to us? The answer is, it's for all of us who believe, and you might think that's pretty basic, but did you know for 1,500 years, they did not believe that? For a millennia and a half for 1,500 years, hardly any missionary work was done around the world. Uh, this idea of going and, and telling, that, that wasn't done. Uh, and the reason was is because the belief for, for most of the history of the church was that the message of going and telling and being sent was applied just to these disciples. And so missionary work basically didn't happen for a long time, or mostly didn't happen for a long time. Now, it's clearly not true. Thomas wasn't there, and, and he's going to get the commission. Mary Magdalene was also sent. Paul and Barnabas and Silas. And we see all these examples of different people who believe and then going out uh, being sent. Uh, that's, that's carried out through the ages. Uh, Kelly, my wife, and I, uh, we left the land of our birth to go and tell, uh, including you going and tell, you're called to go and tell wherever God sends you. Whatever job, into whatever job He sent you, to go and tell. Into whatever field He sent you, to go and tell. In, into whatever nation He sent you, to go and tell. You're sent into your workplace, to go and tell. You're, you're sent into your family, the family that you're in, to, to go and tell. You're sent into this city right now, here, to, to go and tell, into Scotland. You're sent to go and tell. You're sent to go and tell. Okay, so what's our message? What's our message? What do we go and tell people? Well, different people approach this differently. And I'm not saying that my way is the right way or the only way or or anything like that. But when I think of the message that I'm trying to tell people, it's basically this. Go and tell the message that there is help and hope for you in Jesus, That's what I'm trying to communicate to people. Go and tell the message that there is help and hope for you in Jesus. That's my basic message. Now, depending on their starting point, it may sound differently what help means or what help is needed may may sound differently, but our message is there is help. There's help and there's hope for you, no matter your life situation and context, Because Jesus is alive, because Jesus is real. God raised him from the dead. This is true. Now, John has several themes in his book to help people come to believe in Jesus, things that he's trying to communicate and establish. John works hard to make sure that people know that the life and the teaching of Jesus is true. It's true, and it's based on fact. So maybe one of the things that you're going to be going and telling based on who you're talking to is go and tell the message that the story of Jesus is true. There's people in our city that you know that are hung up. Is this true? And our message is, yes, it is true. Over and over, John's trying to work to help us to believe it's all true. Jesus died. God raised him from the dead. It's true, and therefore there's hope. There's hope for you because Jesus is alive. It's one of, the, one of the messages. Another theme that John is continually repeating in this book that we've been going through is that God loves them. Go and tell the message that God loves them. Whether it's John 3, what I quoted from the beginning, God loved the world and, and that's why he sent Jesus. And we see Jesus showing God's love to people who feel that there is no way that God could love them. He, he shows it to, to prostitutes. No, God loves you. How could God love me? God loves you. He shows it to um, tax collectors who are, are just full of uh, greed and extortion and, and, and outcasts. How can you, not in our day, <laughs> in that day. Uh, uh, anyways, so that, that idea of, of God loves you and they're like, how can God love me? I, I've, been, I've been so uh, greedy and selfish. Most people feel like even if God is real, he probably doesn't care about them. I mean, look at, look at my life, right? Look at my life, they're saying. How, how could God care about me? Look, look at my, my life. And our message is, no. God cares about you. He sees, he knows, he cares. He sees, he knows, he cares. Uh, and that's what we're sent with, that God fully loves you, that he wildly cares about you. And, and because he loves you, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. That's another consistent message that we get to bring. Another time, uh, other theme that that John's been developing in this book is go and tell the the message that there is new life in Jesus. There's new life, new life. We've heard life to the full, abundant life, being born again, uh, eternal life. All this message is that, that you can have life in the name of Jesus. You can have hope a new beginning because there's new life offered to you in Jesus. We'll play that out a little bit more in a moment, but that's another theme. Another message is one of help. Go and tell the message that there is help in Jesus. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel broken? Do you feel like you need help? Are you sick? We see miracle after miracle moment where God, out of his love and his care and his concern, steps in, And he acts and he brings help. He calms storms. He provides food. Do you need help? There's there's hope for you in your situation because Jesus can help you with all the power of heaven behind him. Anything is possible because Jesus is alive. And the the last theme that I'm going to mention now, knowing that there are several others, is go and tell the message that there's forgiveness in Jesus. There's forgiveness in Jesus. Again, I'm going to come back to this, but, but what I want you to see is that our message that we're sent with is simple. Our message is simple. Maybe, maybe you need help. Maybe you need forgiveness. Maybe you need a new start, a new beginning. There, there's hope for you in Jesus. Maybe you need to know that you're not alone, but instead you are loved by God. Now, we can easily freak out. I was talking to a friend of mine this week. We can easily freak out when, we're, when we're, it's time to talk about Jesus. I, I can too. <laughs> I can freak out. Uh, uh, oh, what do I say? Uh, because where do you begin, right? There, there's so much to say. And, and we just got to remember to keep it simple. God really does love them. And there, there's hope for them in Jesus. I, I ask myself, of all the good news, and there's so much good news, what does this person in front of me need to hear today? What part, what little piece of the good news do they need to be encouraged by today? They're all true. They're all wonderful. But what piece of the good news did they need to be encouraged by? Do they need to know that they're loved? Do they need to know that there's forgiveness for them? Do they need to know that there's a new beginning, a new life for them? Do they need to know that there's help? Do they need to know that this is true? What do they need? And, and keep it simple and keep it caring. Keep it caring. And remember, you're not alone in this. We, we read in, in John chapter 20, verse 22, and said, after saying this, Jesus, after saying this, he, Jesus, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You are sent with the Holy Spirit. You're sent with the Holy Spirit. Now, some people get confused here, and actually scholars seem to get confused here, uh, because it's not yet Pentecost. It's not yet Pentecost, and Jesus is now breathing on them to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, the scholars are like, okay, how, how, how do we understand this? Is there, is there two moments here, or is there several moments where they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and then, and then Pentecost comes along? Look, all through the Bible, all through the Bible, the Holy Spirit is given to people. Old Testament, New Testament, for a time, for, for a purpose, uh, for a reason, or even for all their lives, like John the Baptist. Uh, but this idea of being people who who are, receive the Holy Spirit before Pentecost Sunday. They receive the Holy Spirit. Who are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not weird that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit before Pentecost with the Holy Spirit in the pre Pentecost way. Filled with the Holy Spirit in the pre Pentecost way. We just kind of put it all in a category. It's like it's all the same. No, 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 no. Something happens on Pentecost that, that changes it. And we talk about this often, so I'm not going to say too much about it. But, but what happens on Pentecost is not just being filled with the Holy Holy Spirit, but you are filled with the Holy of Holies temple presence of God. And we talk about this every Pentecost Sunday, how the the imagery around Pentecost is that God's Holy of Holies temple presence moves out of the temple made of bricks and into people, and we become temple. We, we become the, the, the temp, temple of the living God, no longer in bricks, but, but in, in people. And, and so, yes, we're filled with the Holy, of, we're, the Holy Spirit, but, but something new happens at Pentecost where, yes, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but we're filled with the Holy of Holies kind of temple presence, Holy Spirit. It, it's It's new. It's a new thing that happens on on Pentecost Sunday in a much more incredible way. So just like John the Baptist, before Pentecost, these disciples received the Holy Spirit, but but then they're going to receive it in a new way on Pentecost Sunday. And Now, I think what John is also really wanting to establish is this imagery. What is he trying to communicate? New life. There's life in the name of Jesus, right? That's from John chapter 1, In him was life to John chapter 20 here at the end of this passage, believe that you may have life in his name. That's what he's trying to communicate, and then the imagery here is Jesus breathed on them. That's the imagery of Eden, the Garden of Eden, where where God made the body, he made Adam's body, and then he breathed, and it was filled with life. Now, you have Jesus there, they have a body, They have that first breath of God life in them and then Jesus breathes on them again and it's about new life. It's about new life. It's about more life. It's about next step life. It's it's that abundant life, that eternal life, that born again life. The message is life that, that Jesus is communicating here. Have you given your life to Jesus, and received the second breath of God. Resulting in the Holy Spirit coming into your life, filling your life, granting you new life, being born again. As John writes in this chapter that we would have life, life in his name, as you, sent, as you go out sent with the message of Jesus, you are going out with the power of God, the presence of God, the holy of holies, temple presence of God, that second breath of God, the Holy Spirit. You're not alone, so live bold. Live bold. So we read that in verse 22. And finally in this passage, we read that Jesus said this in, in verse 23. Said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. We, you are sent with the message of forgiveness. You're sent with the message and ministry of forgiveness. Now, <laughs> it, it looks here like Holy Spirit filled people are now granted authority on earth. To forgive sins or to not forgive sins, and this can really freak people out. Uh, They can think, for whatever reasons, they this can really think freak people out. And so let's not freak out. And if you're freaking out, you can do a a study on this yourself and kind of look into uh, the application. But but keeping it simple right now, it's our joy to get to proclaim forgiveness. It, it, is, it is an extraordinary gift that we've been allowed to do to proclaim God's forgiveness over the sinner who repents when they give their lives to Jesus. To say, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. To be able to look them in the eye and with all the confidence in the world and with, with heaven's authority behind you to say, friend, your sins are completely forgiven. Jesus kept doing this in his ministry, and now we get to be announcers of this great, this great news. Okay, but what if we don't like the person? What, what if we don't like the person, and we don't want to forgive them, or we don't want God to forgive them? Okay, friends, we work for Jesus, Right, We work for Jesus. It's our job to do what Jesus wants done. He wants everyone who repents and turns to Jesus to be forgiven and to be saved. And he wants us to be proclaiming that. He wants you to proclaim it over them. You repented. You gave your life to Jesus. And now I declare with the authority of heaven that you have been forgiven and and that you're saved. Remember how Jesus said this bit in Luke I wanted you to hold on to that, this idea that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. That's, that's, the, that's part of that commission, that, that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. We get to proclaim that. We get to proclaim forgiveness of sins to those who repent. In the book of James, James writes, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. There's this real ministry, and that's that's after you give your life to Jesus. There, there's this real ministry given to people through the Holy Spirit to hear sins confessed and repented of, people turning to Jesus, turning back to Jesus, and to proclaim that pardon over them, the forgiveness of of sins from Jesus. It's, just, it's, a, it's an extraordinary mission. Is there a time to proclaim that someone is not forgiven? Yes, yes, there is a time to proclaim. When they're not forgiven is the time to proclaim that they're not forgiven. You, have you given your life to Jesus? No, okay? I proclaim to you that you are not forgiven by God for, for your sins. That sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. But, but we are truth tellers and, and, and messengers of this, the, the truth, okay? I, pro, I proclaim to you that even though you're sorry, even though you're, you're distraught about what you've done, even though you're, you're full of remorse about, even though you're committed to changing and not doing that again, I proclaim to you, you're not forgiven. Even though you're sorry, even though you're upset, even though you're gonna not do that again, I, com- I, I proclaim you're not forgiven by God. If you want to be forgiven by God, You have to turn to Jesus and be saved. That's the only way you get forgiveness. Not by being sorry, not by changing, but by going to Jesus and being forgiven and saved. And so I I proclaim to you that you're not forgiven, but I'm sorry. You need to be more than sorry. You need Jesus. That's our message. How, How do we know if someone's forgiven or not? Well, Ultimately, we know that, that God sorts that out and, and praise God for that. But we do know the message of, of the gospel in its simplicity and we know how forgiveness works. If you repent and believe in Jesus, you're gonna be forgiven and saved, full stop. If you don't, you will not be forgiven and saved. That's, that's the simple, simple heart of the gospel. Okay, okay, friends, I love I love the ending of the the book of John here. Jesus is alive. Believe in him and have life in his name. But it's not just about having this new life and receiving this life. We have a significant reason for living now. We have we have a, a an incredible purpose now for our life. We we get to know the message. We have been we we've believed the message that Jesus is alive. We know the truth that there's forgiveness of sins, that there's new life, a new beginning. And now, for the rest of your days, you get an incredible commission to go and tell, To, to go and tell your sent, your sent ones, to go and tell this great news in our city, in our nation, in our families, in our workplaces. I believe you are where you are for a reason, and this is your reason, that you are where you are. So don't keep your mouth shut in fear like Mary at the end of the book of Mark. Go and tell. We have a mission we've been sent. And so in light of that, I got three challenges for us today. <clears throat> Challenge number one is I want you to make a list of the names of people who have believed in Jesus th- uh, through you, and been baptized in the last five years. And and that's not, I mean, I started off with in 2018, and I was like, oh, that's maybe that's a little bit mean. But then I made it like, okay, in the last year, I'm like, oh, okay. And, and then I've been like two years, and now finally five years. Um, it, it, it's a bit convicting. And I understand that, the work of salvation is a miracle. And that's and that's the Holy Spirit's work. But it, it may help us get that little bit of nudge. Maybe I'm being a little bit too tactful. A little bit too Maybe I need to go and tell a bit more. But anyways, make a list of names. Hopefully, there's a lot of praises there. And you can spend time praising God for that list. Uh, Secondly, make a list of names of people you're going to try and tell about Jesus before the end of April. Again, that was the end of March, but now it's the end of April. Uh, Giving you a month into your 50-day prayer challenge. Make a list of people you're going to try and tell. Again, go and tell. And then read Acts 4. 29 through 31, and add it to your prayers for yourself. That's where the disciples gathered together and say, God, give us courage and boldness. And the room was shaken. Where they're they're, they're afraid that the enemies have risen up against them. And they're like, God, give us courage and boldness. And maybe you can incorporate that in your prayer. God, give me more courage and boldness.